2: Euros have been hailed a resounding success with England crowned champions for the first time after an amazing home tournament, which saw the side slay giants and all with a sense of serenity. It was truly the most remarkable tournament for so many reasons on and off the field. And in this edition of the Gegen and Pod, I'm joined by Matilda's midfielder Amy Harrison and Matilda's superstar Heather Garriock as we break down the final, review the tournament and look at what these results mean ahead of the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year. Strap yourselves in because the next year will be one heck of a ride. Sweet Caroline, hello and welcome to this a very special edition of the Gegen Pod. An early start for us Aussies this morning, but a game and a tournament final which will have us buzzing and singing Sweet Caroline for weeks to come yet. I'm Amy Duggan and of course I'm talking about the final of the European Women's Championships where England created history in the perfect way to wrap up what has been an absolute fairy tale month for football. To talk us through this remarkable tournament and a fantastic final, I make very well Welcome, a fellow early riser and Hall of Famer, Heather Garriock, who is one of our most capped Matildas ever. Ever Welcome, H. I reckon uh, you would have cut off an arm to play in this tournament, and I can't wait to get your analysis on it. Also, a big hello to Amy Harrison, one of our Matildas extended squad with 13 caps so far to her name and no doubt a spot on next year's World Cup on her wish list. Amy, welcome as well. Look, you've had the best job in the world for the last month. You've been on the road for Optus Sport throughout the Euros, on the sidelines, including at Wembley where you are now in the media centre after witnessing a lot of amazing results. Oh, man, I am so pumped this morning. I can't believe I've been up since 1.30am. This pod may well go for a week because there is so much to chat about. But here we go, girls, from 16 teams down to two, a fitting finale between hosts England and one of the most successful teams in the competition's history. It did take till extra time to separate them with the hosts, taking the game 2-1. Amy, as we said, you're there. Have you come down from the buzz yet? Is it still going on around you? What did you make of the game?
0: Yeah, it was incredible. Somehow I found the quietest place in Wembley. Had to go through doors and everything, but it was absolutely incredible. (laughs) A real pinch me moment. Um, I had goosebumps from head to toe Seeing them sing the national anthem, seeing them come out, the roar, the, the goals and then when they won, it was it was honestly just so incredible.
2: Will England breaking the deadlock first through Ella Toon's chip on the transition only for the equaliser to come from McGill before substitute Chloe Kelly made it a sure thing for the Poms? Hate, what more could we have asked for this morning? Yeah,
1: look, the way the, the, way the game was going, um, I was texting Amy throughout the game and uh, I, th- I thought it was going to go to penalties. Um, it just needed a, a special moment and, again, off a set play, um, but let's talk about the eighty-seven thousand odd people people at Wembley Stadium. Amy, that the the noise in the in the stadium, what what was it like? I wish I was there.
0: I honestly can't put it into words. My ears were ringing, and that's not just a metaphor. Like they were legit ringing. Um, walking out and and seeing it, the players coming out and. It was just so loud, the the ground was shaking. It literally was shaking when they were jumping and the goals, the final whistle, I can't even put it into words. It was honestly just incredible. Like I said, a, a real pinch me moment and I don't get goosebumps too many times watching teams, but that was certainly one of them.
2: It was fantastic on the screen as well, but no doubt what an atmosphere inside the stadium. Let's talk about that crowd because it was the 87,192. That is the biggest women's football crowd in the UK. And I'm hearing also the biggest Euros crowd ever, male or female female so absolutely record breaking on so many levels this tournament goals scored coaching success crowd attendances let's chat the result though because expected goals of course heavily weighted towards England they weren't afforded the space or the opportunity that they'd experienced in the earlier stages of the tournament and some seriously classy defending by Hegering and Gwynne from uh, Germany but one of the talking points we have to start with was Alexand- uh, Alex Pop missing would it have been different Heather if she was in this
1: side yeah, definitely. Obviously, I set my alarm at one fifty-seven. Uh, woke up. I had my little nine-year-old daughter who woke up with me. Heard the alarm, and um, as soon as I looked at the lineup, um, there was no pop, and so obviously had to look look at as to why. And um, obviously, it would have been a soft tissue injury. Any other injury you could sort of inject and, and push on, especially Euro's final. But yeah, that that to me, especially that first half, um, I thought was going to be the deciding factor. Um, But Germany come out second half and and they they certainly dominated and and England were in trouble. But um, I just think Pop's presence, um, her being ruthless in front of goal, um, just so clinical. She's been clinical all all tournament. And to have that up top, especially in in, in the dying moments or in the extra time, I think they needed that. You could see the emotion um, on Pop's face uh, when she was collecting her her runners-up medal. There was tears in her eyes. She's 31 years old, um, played a stellar career, but this was a really breakout tournament for her. So to end like that, um, it would have been devastating for her. But Germany, um, they certainly pushed England right until the very, very end and, and they could have clinched it as well on several occasions. Well, let's
2: just remember where Germany sits on the table and England sits on the table. They're both top ten nations, but Germany inside that top three and England ranked eighth. They've slayed some giants on their way there. Uh, Alex Pop coming into this final, uh, well, two players came into the final on equal goals. They were Beth Mead and Alex Pop. Beth was awarded the golden boot, having more assists, and also player of the tournament, Amy. Was she a standout for you?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. From game one to the final, she just stood out. She gave England that liveliness on the side. Um, she produced some really special goals. And I think more importantly, she just looked like she was having the time of her life. And to, to get the amount of goals that she did was obviously special, but to get the assist as well, I think that says something else. It's, it's not that she's just contributing with goals, but it's more than that. And you could definitely tell when she was just a, a really good player for England this tournament. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Serena Weigman because it looks like she's got the absolute best out of Beth this tournament.
1: In terms of Beth Mead, she's obviously had an unbelievable tournament, but she was missing in action today. Um, in terms of her being a big game player, uh, she got on the ball only several times and, and normally she gets on the ball, she's comfortable. I think the occasion overawed her, but that's not to say she doesn't deserve obviously the golden boot, her assists speak volumes um, and player of the tournament as well, uh, especially in that quality England side as well.
2: I tend to agree with you a little bit. I I think I was looking for some of those players to stand up and, and we'll get into the changes later because Russo wasn't effective today as she has been previously also. And that probably comes down to the defense of Germany and, um, the result, though, the result 2-1, geez, they were hard to split, weren't they? At certain times during the game, you thought it was going to be all Germany and they were coming on strong. When the equaliser came, I actually thought
0: they were they were going to take this game. But England were deadly, especially on the transition aim. Yeah, they were, I think. Once again, Serena Wiegmann perfect substitutes. You know, she, she brings players on that just inject energy and we saw it with the goal. Uh, it was a running behind from a substitute and scored that goal. And that's the, the, the difference between um, tournament winning teams. You don't have 11 players that go out and do the job. You have 18 plus who can come on at any moment, whether it's you know a group game or a European final, and they do the job. You can count on literally anyone. And I think there was a the difference between England today. They had players that can come on, um, can play their role, play their part, and it wins them the tournament.
2: Real game-changers or big moments in the match. So, of course, there were a few. But, Heather, what moments
1: stood out for you? Where were the game-changers? Look, we spoke about defensively, um, but but in attack. Um, Hoot, for me, uh, she was outstanding in the semi-final. She ran the show. Um, but my girl, I, I just, I think it was hard um, for for the English to, to really contain her. I thought o- Oberdorf just ran her guts out. Um, but for my girl to go off in extra time when she's the game-changing player? Could she have played an extra 15 minutes and, 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 and played uh, killer passes through? Uh, so, yeah, look, I think the midfield was crucial, um, and I think Germany were better in the midfield. Up front, we spoke about the spark up front and the substitutions. Um, yep, the substitutions, you've hit the nail on the head, Aim um, To have the depth that England has had, and Serena Weaveman to be able to play the players um, that she has. And she's played the same players at the same times, every single game pretty much. And that shows continuity and consistency. And I keep using those two words, um, but when you know as a player, what your role and responsibility is on the field and off the field. And there's there's games like uh, Beth, uh, there's players like Beth England that didn't get a minute throughout the tournament, yet she celebrated like she played 90 minutes every game. So it, this, this is where a quality coach uh, instils confidence and belief within their team. And I think Serena Wiegman's done a, done a brilliant job. Um, but, yeah, look, it, I, I just think the firepower. Pop would have made a significant difference. Uh, set plays, played a, a, a crucial role where Germany could have been uh, one or two up, um, had the ball fallen their way, uh, like it had fallen England's way um, come extra time. So And then for Kelly to score the winner, like it was just a, a, a toe, a, a tap in and um for her Johnny celebration, yeah. <laughs> her celebration, did she score? Did she score? Did she not score? Did she take a hit? Yeah, off? yeah, no, she scored. <laughs> she definitely scored. Oh, that was quite funny. And a
2: Brandy Chastain moment who I saw this morning also uh, picked up what she did and commented for her online too. And I was just thinking we were talking about substitutes and how important depth is in a squad. But What a luxury England has to see players like Alexia Russo, Ella Toon, Chloe Kelly coming onto the pitch each match, making that impact. I know as a defender at AIM, I'll let you speak to this in the mid as well. You'd be bloody dreading that. You've just done 60 hard minutes against the best players in the world and then you know a step up with fresh legs is coming right at you. Today it wasn't Russo that scored, it was Ella Toon and then obviously Chloe Kelly who claimed the goals, but... What is it about um, having players that can just
0: make an impact off the bench? Will we see them become starters of this English team? Yeah, look, there's no reason why they can't. Like H said, she's Serena's played every single player, basically the exact same moment in every single game. And as a player, you know that that's your role. And you can tell that the players in this English team, they know whether they're a starter, they can do the job for 60 odd minutes, for example, Ellen White, I'm sure she's told, give me 60 minutes, run your absolute heart out, tire the defenders, because the last thing that they want is to know, oh my God, Russo's coming on now, who's just even more <laughs> lively, who's strong, and then you've got Toon running in behind. Just, there's no stopping, and you can tell that really makes a difference, and like I said, it, I think it's what gave them the tournament.
2: Okay, well, let's talk about their styles of play because there's a bit of a clash here, right? Germany really like to press high. Uh, a lot of their traffic today came down that right-hand side or creatively through the middle of the field, Heather. They probably could be accused of being more robust in their style of play, and we saw a few cards handed out today, although I will say England can certainly scrap with the best. They did that. Um England less so in the pressing. We saw uh, that demonstrated strongly against Sweden where they just really drop off and defend from the halfway mark and wait for teams to come to them. And their attack also comes mostly down the right-hand side with Mead and with bronze. But that wasn't really there today, Heather.
1: No, it wasn't. And and it wasn't there because uh, you had a player in Hoot uh, that was there that tracks back, that does a heap of kilometres. Um, the, the thing that for, for England, um, England tried to exploit the Germans, because they play a high line. And um, that's a famous uh, terminology of mine and and, and and whatnot in terms of when it comes to a high line. But they play it beautifully because what happens is is there's pressure on the ball constantly with Germany. Is When you've got pressure on the ball, you can afford to play a high line. And and they were afforded a few good opportunities to be able to poke the ball and be able to have transition moments with, with Germany against England. But sometimes England got in behind. And um, they nullified that right-hand side beautifully, I thought. And that's why uh, bronze didn't get down the 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 right hand side and and me mead hardly got on the ball, um, but what what Germany did they targeted like like we said in the in the last podcast they targeted um, Rachel Daly's side and they did that because she likes to play an attacking style of football defensively, uh, she she struggles um, defensively she's very very quick can make up um, make up uh, you know tackles if if, if she gets uh, played in behind but yeah the the overloads um, is what really surprised me we're not talking an overload like a plus one overload there on the right hand side there was four and five players at times that they were playing around players to then play it three four five passes to then play that diagonal ball to create space out wide and that's that's where I thought um, Germany done a really great job and that's where I thought England struggled.
2: So they're not unbeatable. That's what we want to hear going into a Women's World Cup because they're on a massive roll. Someone who was very strong uh, throughout this game and obviously voted player of the match was Kira Walsh. Amy, um, the star of the game. What does she do that, that sets her apart? And why does she pick up this award today?
0: Yeah, look, I think Kira is someone who consistently will be a 8 or 9 out of 10 game player. She's always giving. She is the tempo controller of the team, she will notice when the team needs to move faster and the team is is tired and needs to pull back a little bit. And to have someone in the team who can do that behind the scenes makes the world of difference because you can just read the game. And I think, you know, if you didn't have your, your player like Beth Mead in um, a few of the games, in the group games, she would have got player of the match as well. But I think today, like Kate said, someone like Beth, maybe the occasion got to her. So that's why you see someone like Kira Walsh stand out a little bit more because she's a player who, she keeps it simple, she plays it wide, she keeps the team moving, she controls the tempo, she's a leader without an armband. And I think in a, a big game like this, where some players feel the pressure a little bit more, she just sticks to her game. It's the same whether it's a group game or it's a final. and. I think having someone like her um, is so crucial and I think that's why she really um, did well today in in a big game like it was. I think the key words you used for me there was the work
2: behind the scenes. She seems to fly under the radar a little bit as one of the big names of this team because like you said, it's not fancy, it's not special. Was she the best for you today, Heather?
1: yeah she was she's the engine. Um, I, I, I think she's the she's the engine that connects the defense to the to the midfield and the midfield to the forwards. And let's not forget. she assisted the goal. That, the ball that she put through and the timing of the run from Toon was exceptional. And the way that Toon finished that goal, reminded me of a glimpse of Sam Kerr just how cool calm and collected she was she's only a young player she plays for Manchester United Russo plays for Manchester United so game on for this um, WSL season starting very soon but yeah Walsh is is the unsung hero that's the the number eight that we talk about here in Australia with our formations that's the box-to-box midfielder so yeah she was brilliant today she deserves that player of the match award.
0: Another thing I noticed with her was there was a moment, I think it was around the 87th minute or so, and Serena Wigman yelled out to her. There was a goal kick and they wanted to play out because obviously that's you know, what they do as, as their team. And she said, no, Kira, get them all in, go long, don't, don't invite them in. And I think that within itself is that connection between Kira and um, Serena, and I think that speaks volumes.
2: And mm, we've, un- we've uh, unearthed some new stars and elevated some consistent names that we knew of to a new level. And you're right, Heather, the upcoming WSL will be really, really exciting. What? Are, who are some of the other names that we've seen emerge during this tournament? This happens all the time, players that are not necessarily big stars. The big ones stand up or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they capitulate under the pressure. But who are some of the names that will stand out from this
1: tournament for you? Yeah, look, me, me personally, um, if I – not just in the WSL, um, but f- – for me uh, to see a player like McGall today uh the young player of, of the tournament in Oberdorf as well obviously playing Germany or Bayern um girl plays for uh but those those young players that are coming through that are playing in their own leagues because it's comfortable and playing in their own countries that no doubt will move to, to a WSL. Um, but I think uh, we're going to see the, the difference of Mead. Just remember, Mead plays in Arsenal and she is overshadowed constantly by the best player or one of the best players in the world, Myanmar. And now she'll walk into Arsenal training over the next couple of weeks after she goes for a party tonight and a, and a, and a couple of uh, quiet drinks. Uh, she'll walk in there with a hell of a lot of confidence, and um, the press will be talking about Beth Mead and also obviously about Meadema. But Beth Mead is is their own. She's the English star. So um, Mead's won. Um, you got Young Williamson as well. We, we we don't really speak about her. She's the captain. Uh, why has she been given the captain's armbands at such a young age? I think um I think that was a masterstroke from uh, Weigman. She's not a big name p- player. Uh, she's cool. She's she's a centre-back. She leads by example. On the ball, she's exceptional. And then you saw when the trophy uh, got handed to her, and for them to celebrate all together, she handed it off to Jill Scott, one of the oldest and most experienced players in the team, and also Ellen White. Now, that is a, sh- a sign of respect. That is a sign that, yes, she's the captain and she's the captain on the field, but she respects the elders so much. And um, it was just a beautiful moment. So I think she's another one, Williamson, um, who, who's, who's exceptional, but someone like a, a Beth Gordon I'd like to see more of in this WSL. I'd
2: like to see some more of that German midfield as well, and maybe not just in the German league, but spreading their wings a little bit further and seeing how they compete a little bit more on uh, an international stage. Uh, A few things have made this tournament a benchmark. We've talked about the crowds already. Uh, We talked about the coaching, and we will get into a coaching section later because I've got some questions for you guys. but. England to this point had the fans absolutely caught up in their energy, their form, um, followed that. They, they won and I think, you know, you saw Chloe Kelly getting the crowd all g up throughout that game but a tournament like this does
1: have a legacy effect. What is it? The legacy is that win today encapsulated every single player that has ever played internationally for England, that's paved the way for these players that are lifting the trophy. The past players, the, the, the co-commentator, Sue Reid, had tears in her eyes. I had tears in my eyes as well, because the moment today was not just for England, not just for the past players, not for the, the players that have paved the way um, domestically in England, but globally as well on the international stage. That is a moment in time that is a transforming moment that we're going to remember for history so uh, to see the crowd to see uh, Prince William down there presenting um, the the medals it, it was just such a beautiful moment and the girls dancing it, it was for everybody for every every former footballer and for every person that's contributed to football in the world uh, a beautiful moment.
2: and I aim mean, there's a there's a future legacy here too though isn't there because that crowd, wasn't just filled with adults, it was filled with the next generation. And we've seen so many of these stars, um, photos with players of the past and, and they're seven, eight, nine years old, you know, uh, getting being told to chase their goals. This is about a dream, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it's incredible, honestly, seeing the amount of young girls with their dads, with their family in and around the stadium. It, <laughs> yeah, it kind of gets me a bit emotional because I'm like – Imagine a young girl seeing that, um, coming with their family to the game, and and watching their heroes in front of almost 90,000 people. And even just around, we were here quite early, and um, people are lining up three hours before the game to get in. The kids want to get in there. You can see them already. Players aren't even arrived yet, but you can see the the young girls in there already with jerseys on, kitted out. You know, face pain. and you can just really see how much it means to them even um, just as I was finishing the game walking up here you just see the young girls and how happy they are like genuinely happy jumping around um, waving flags and there's one thing to, to have this tournament but there's another thing to see how much it really means to obviously the past and, and the present players but inspiring the young generation and I think it's, it's really going to make a difference because you see these kids will now go and play football with their friends in school and PE in the teams and what they can achieve now and, and see it first and foremost is, is honestly really special.
2: Yeah, they're going to dream big, that is for sure. This England team was certainly helped on by the home crowd, Amy. Will that continue towards the World Cup or in 12 months' time they won't have a home crowd here in Australia? Will that be a barrier to them?
0: They better not have a home crowd. There definitely wasn't any Aussies here, so there shouldn't <laughs> be any English there. but. Look, seeing how much it really helped them today, um, it really is like a a 12th player out there. And to have that next year and have all the Australians back in the Matildas, I think, like today has been a pinch me moment, I think, and seeing what it can do for the legacy, there is no reason why we can't do the same in Australia and and inspire the next generation. And um, it's honestly, it's so special to be a part of and for Australia to have the opportunity coming off this, it's it's once in a lifetime honestly.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find
0: out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Well, Germany on the other hand were resilient today, but without their star striker hate, and they were missing that extra something. We've covered that. This will hurt this side, but they won't back down from this. They're the sort of setup that I think we can set our watch to for twelve months' time, will they improve or simmer along? Can we expect something different from them next year?
1: Yeah, I think I think we'll see very similar uh, structure in terms of the way they play. I think they're very clever. They adapted. Um, Martina adapted her her side in, in the different games depending on what style they played against. But still, I absolutely loved how they uh, played in a tournament style football. Um, that was a high pressing game, which requires a lot of physical. Uh, ability and even the games, they they were run off their feet by the end of it, but they weren't to the point where you didn't see not one player cramping, which is surprising, especially going into 120 minutes. Um, you got some young guns uh, that that come off the bench in terms of Enyomi. Uh She come on, she was a forward. I think she was overawed by the by the um, the, the whole crowd and 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 the situation, but she's only going to go grow, grow confidence from that. I, I I love the player that came in. Um, for my girl. Her name was Loman and she actually created the goal with her little jink and her little touch to the side to then play the ball through to create the ball down the right hand side. Uh, so there's some young players um, and remember the Bundesliga is, is, has, is full of quality players. So uh, the depth with Germany, uh, whilst we haven't seen, uh, you know, the best of, of uh, some players in the Bundesliga, you've got so many different players to choose from. So yeah, this Germany side flew under the radar, um, but based on how they've played this tournament, look out for Women's World Cup in 23 here in Oz.
2: Well, well let's go. Let's go into that because. Let's relate it back here to the Aussie game and revisit our discussion on the Matildas from the last episode because some of those results have mirrored the scorelines for Australia throughout this tournament. And I'm the first to admit, I honestly didn't think I'd see scorelines like 4-0 and 8-0 when two top 10 or, you know, under 12 teams face off. I still actually can't get my head around this Sweden semi-final exit scoreline and watching them leave the tournament in the fashion that they did. So, Amy, I guess I'm asking if I will either of you actually, but we'll start with you. If either of your opinions have changed on the Matilda's ability to mix it with the two giants we saw in the final or even the other two teams that made the semis for that matter?
0: Yeah, I guess you've got to look at it as well. Luckily, we have so many players playing in the WSL who will be, you know, in amongst change rooms with players who have won tonight and they'll be you know collaborating with these players and hearing their experiences um we have enough players in our country now playing abroad gaining experience alongside these kind of players um and it's all about just bringing it together in camp um and coming together as well as these nations have and kind of not copying england we don't want to copy england but you know know, seeing how successful they have been (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. But seeing how successful they've been, and H touched on before, Beth England didn't play a minute, but she celebrated like she did. And you got to have that from, you know, your player 22 to your player one. You've got to have everyone riding along together. Um, and if we can have that, there's no reason why we can't uh, accomplish something like this too.
1: Yeah, look, Aim, um, I, I think, um, t- to be honest, if we have a look at our starting 11, our Matilda's starting 11, that have played, these young players, Sam Kerr, Emily Van Egmont, uh, Caitlin Ford, they've all played together for the last 10 years. We would have to be, Mm -hmm. in terms of cats, the most experienced team uh, at at the Women's World Cup next year. So we talk about players being in their peak. This is the Matildas that are going to be at their peak at this tournament. So you look at the starting 11, you look at Ellie Carpenter, right back, world-class player, Steph Catley, left back, world-class player playing at Arsenal. You've got... Uh, Polkinghorne, uh, Stalwart, great defender. You've got Alana Kennedy, who who will sit beside her, plays at, at, at Man City. Emily Van Egmore playing, playing in, in America. And then we look at today, we talk about Germany and we talk about England in terms of in terms of potency up top, in terms of attacking now. You've got Sam Kerr, who's ugly, the best player in the world. Imagine her having her play in the World Cup final for you. And then you've got a player like the, the likes of uh, 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 Hayley Rasso coming off the bench, or whether she starts for Caitlin Ford or whatnot. So we talk about our team, and yes, we can match it with the best. However, however it is the defensive side of things that we saw in this tournament that is so important. Germany conceded two, yeah. England conceded two. So that is the big factor, and then the depth side of things, okay? And then the continuity and consistency within that squad. The squad that I just rattled off today, not to mention a Katrina Gorry that'll come in and and, and cause problems and her defensive um, abilities, as well as her attacking and and shooting ability from outside the box. If we have those players who played in finals, semi-finals, Olympic games and World Cup, we have all those players playing and playing together consistently, consistently from now until the World Cup. Yes, we can be the top five nation in the world, but we need those players playing together and not just in their club sides and playing in, in world-class tournaments. So, yes, I think we can be a top-five side and we can see Australia uh, be captured by these quality players and the stars of the next generation. Like my nine-year-old daughter that got up at 2am to watch England play against <laughs> against Germany. It'd be amazing for her to sit there in the stadium to see the Matildas play against France or Germany or England for that matter. So, yes, we have the ability. It's just about us bringing it together and uh, and, and showing our experience, uh, especially in a tournament like the, the Women's World Cup next year. It's exciting times. I agree with both of you. For me, the positive
2: is the large proportion of our players now in Europe competing and shining against these players. Injuries are always a concern for Australia in a system which, I think at present lacks a bit of depth and we've seen how quickly some of these teams have come on in the last 12 months too, but we also have 12 months and I'm super excited for when we hit the pitch at the World Cup next year, which of course you can catch every single moment of On Optus Sport. I'm going to switch back to the Euros just for a minute because I did say we were going to talk about coaches. Um, It was so wonderful to see two female coaches there on the sideline in the final at Wembley, and especially because they're both former players. Absolutely incredible for Serena Wegman to be back-to-back finals with different nations and win. I just think that's mind-blowing when you think about it like that. Heather, pop your coaching hat on for a second. Um, England's coach, Serena, she's ruthless, but how much of this winning approach can be credited for England's success um, and that of the players'
1: individual success? She is the reason why England has been successful. She is the ultimate reason why she has. She understands the players. She understands what the strengths are of the players. She, she played to their strengths. She was successful, successful with England today. She was successful with the Netherlands. That's not by chance. She's, uh, she's played 99 games for Netherlands. She, 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 to play 99 games and star at World Cups and, and, and whatnot, you know what it takes to be a footballer, but not only that, for Serena, she's actually done her apprenticeship. She went away, she coached uh, at at, at club sides, she coached the youth national teams. Uh, she She has been in the Dutch system for many, many years. It hasn't just come in a lap, but the thing that I've loved is the Dutch FA has invested in her. And she spent a lot of time. And the other thing that I touched on in in our last podcast that I'll say again, she's had an assistant coach that has been supportive and been the assistant coach. And his name escapes me, uh, apologies, has been the assistant coach since she coached the Netherlands. So to bring someone and support staff in that you trust, that you know can have your back. And you know if you get COVID, like she did throughout the Euros tournament, will take the team successfully. 11 games in the Euros tournament, 11 games she's won out of 11, that is unbelievable, unbelievable. So I I put it down to her, I, I certainly put it down to her.
2: She's got some winning record, I think 17 of 19 games, the sides one underneath her heading into this final. So I wanted to share with you a little bit of an interview I read in regards to Serena's ability to create confidence and self-belief in her plays in her team. And there were two players in particular. One of them happens to be Beth Mead, which is also mind-blowing, and their goalkeeper, Mary Earps, because she just grew game by game. Now, I want to remind you, neither of these players were even in the frame for the Olympics. They weren't good enough, but Serena has been able to, find them and fill them with self-belief and they are thriving. Amy, in the sports psychology part of things, how big is confidence and self-belief from your coach in a winning mentality?
0: Oh, it honestly could make the difference between being one kind of player or another kind of player. And like you just said, Beth Mead not even in the frame of an Olympic team, but then the player of the tournament. And that is fully 100% down to Serena giving her that confidence and that self-belief you can just see one of the goals she scored against Norway she tripled through five people and scored like it was a training session and if you can slow slow your roll down and just you know keep it cool approach games like they're just another game um and I, I've never worked with Serena so I can't say how good she is but the way she puts these players out on the field and you know she's did it once already with the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, that's obviously something special. But then again, in England, it's one thing to have these tournaments in your country, but to go and win them, um, it's it's so important. It it really <laughs> can make the difference between playing a, a decent game and and being a very good game every single time.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely outstanding. Look, while we're on coaching for a minute, we'll digress because I've got some unanswered questions about some other coaches. So. To France, who did break their quarterfinal curse and some may say was an improvement. Um, there are some questions remaining after so much conflict around this team. Is Karin the right person to get this French team to the heights? We know they have the talent to get to, Heather.
1: Yeah, they'd lost their two two best players early on in the tournament and, and no doubt they'll, they'll be ready for the World Cup next year. Um, plenty of rehab ahead of them, um, but we're the same in Australia with Ellie. Um, but yeah, Diaka, again, a former... Former football player um, for, for France. I, I think she's, she's been consistent. Um, I wouldn't say that she, she's the warm coach uh, like we're talking about Serena. <laughs> um, seems very very transactional. Different
2: strokes, different folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But but in saying that, they still played some quality football, and and the brand of football that they have played um, will take them deep in the tournament. Come the Women's World Cup. So yeah, I don't I don't think her job's in jeopardy um, at all. Uh, several other coaches, though, uh, um, I'm sure there'll be some um, some coaching jobs up for up for grabs. No doubt. Well, one of
2: those um, is Martin Sorgens. So he obviously is a casualty of the Euros. He's resigned following Norway's exit. Hey, H, I'm going to stick with you on this one because you know him. Um, this would have been really hard for him, firstly. And who does Norway now look to to lead them to the World Cup?
1: Yeah, they're, they're a team that needs to be nurtured. Um, look, Martin is a, a fabulous person. Um, you know, really, really good people's person, um, a people's manager. Um, the the players, uh, I'm sure, would would like him a lot. However, he basically uh, came in and the Ada Hegerberg um, carry on and 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 uh, where she didn't want to play for Norway, he basically had to front that. So um, to manage that, uh, there, there's obviously. Uh, uh, a bit of uh, angst within the squad, and he's brought her back in, uh, which people will say, yeah, that, that, that's um, that's a great idea, or whether it's not a great idea. One player doesn't make the team, but I think um, that's been his undoing. He hasn't been able to get the best out of the team uh, collectively uh, for several tournaments. Uh, you know, the last World Cup, the last Euros, didn't win a game. The last Euros, and then come in, smash the first game, and then you could see the the um, the team. The moment anything uh, went or oh, got tough. Uh, they, they looked around and, and they just just didn't seem to be a leader so it will take a strong coach um, bring in a strong coach it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, from Norway um, a coach that uh, knows their philosophy and can play a really quality brand of football and from a physical point of view those Norwegian players weren't anywhere near the physical uh, mm. in the in the capable of, of, of or in the physical uh, I guess Realm realm of um, a, a Germany or, or, a, or a Sweden or a, um, a, a, a England for that matter. So, yeah, look, uh, to his credit, um, great character. He'll get another coaching job somewhere else because he has been successful in clubs in, in Sweden and a really nice guy. Um, however, uh, Norway needs someone strong with a very, very um, driven and strong philosophy so they can excel at the World Cup next year. Yeah, because they do have some class talent right
2: across the park. Amy, we'll go to you because another top class side who some may say, many will say, underperformed was Holland, who you've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years. They were defending champs coming into this and we heard the their own players be quite critical of their coach, Mark Parsons. Is he the person to stay at the helm of this Netherlands team? Because I'm pretty sure I can say that Wegman won't be going back there easily. <laughs>
0: Are they going to have to pay an arm and a leg to get Wigman back now, aren't they? Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's a tough one. They obviously didn't have the greatest luck this tournament, losing Saari van ben Venedal, and um, they had a few in and out with COVID, which which didn't help the rhythm. Um, you have players going in and out. But look, is he the coach that's going to get the best out of the Dutch?
2: You can just say it. You don't think you, so.
0: You're probably looking more <laughs> towards no. No. <laughs>
1: Let, let me. I, I know Mark and have obviously spent a lot of time um, working with him um, in terms of players coming into the W League and some of the great players that have come into the W League. The thing that's strange for me, he, he, won't, he won't get sacked. He'll be at the Women's World Cup next year, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. You can't just sack a coach. He's only just come in. You need to give him the opportunity. Um, and I think they will give him the opportunity regardless. Um, however, what is strange is that you've got the Dutch who they basically... Uh, Openly communicate that their 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 they their system and their philosophies are, are are the way, and and we've obviously adopted it here in Australia, but he's an Englishman, coaching in America, and in terms of the the, the Dutch style, it, it, it's just so different. What I think they've looked at Mark Parsons for is his culture, his drive, the way he gets the best out of players. I know that that's probably the reason why he's um, he's been appointed, but it, it's a strange appointment for me, especially for, uh, for, for, for the Dutch, the Dutch national team.
2: Unless, Heather, they're looking for that breadth in the way that they do think about things now and being a little bit more open-minded and saying, we want a bit of what's going on in England, we want a bit of what's going on in America to add to our system, then it would sort of make sense, I suppose. But. All right, let's get back to the future because it's a year to go to 2023 where we're all so excited about that. And the the hashtag is beyond greatness. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, but now I really feel like that's likely to come true after what we've just witnessed. And um, There's more teams in this World Cup than ever before, but let's try and nail down, all of us together, this is never going to happen, but we'll try, <laughs> our top five contenders at the Women's World Cup because last time out we discussed who was going to be in the top five and I want to see if we're still there or after watching this tournament, things have changed. So I, obviously – we're looking at England and Germany after this tournament. I think you've got to throw USA in there from from my part, although I do feel like for the first time ever, they may fall outside the top three. Yes, I'm calling it now. Look out. Um, I think France will be up there and the romantic in me um, and also the, you know, supercharged Aussie supporter says Australia has to be in that top five. How far off am I and where do you agree and disagree, Aim?
0: Yeah, I, I'd probably say that... That'd be my five, too. Um, and I would completely agree with saying that, yeah, maybe America aren't up the top um, anymore. Obviously, it's, it's very hard to compare, I guess, with their qualifiers compared to a European tournament. Um, like I said in the last podcast, when Wendy Renard did come out and say that she finds the, the Euros harder than a World Cup just by how competitive the teams are, which I think is really interesting. Um, but for me, yeah, has to be England-Germany. I think France, you bring back those players that they were missing, they are a very good team. Um, a home World Cup, you've seen what England was able to do with the fan base. I think the Matildas will be no different. Um, and then there's that fifth one, if I've... Uh, have I even that's, done I that right? That's five, <laughs> eh? That's five, sorry, it's late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's five, there you and go, you have here, my five. Good. All
2: right, uh, England-Germany... France, USA, and Australia. Heather,
1: agree or disagree, or who are you going to throw in there? Oh yeah, she they're, has they're, to throw they're, in
0: they're, Sweden now. They're,
1: they're, the, they're the mainstays. No, Sweden. Um, Sweden are always <laughs> going to be there. Um, they, they, they're always going to be there. However, the top five. Um, just remember, any team that wins at a major tournament doesn't always back it up. We saw that <laughs> with Italy, um, not qualifying for the World Cup again. They've won mm. the won the Euros and then they haven't backed it up, right? So yeah, maybe it is. Uh, England, Germany, uh, What? who we haven't spoken about, who we we're raving about at the start of the tournament is yes, Spain. I know. I yeah, it's Spain. Know. So so dis- what, just, they
2: were what? really disappointing. And I think no, I don't think yeah, they Yeah, but they didn't have Alexia. I know, but you can't rely. We've seen that today with, with Pop, with with France missing their top two. You know, we've talked about this. It can't just be one star player. Um, you know Hegerberg. They put, you know, we put all this gloss around one player to take you right through a tournament, and we've also spoken about depth. So well, we can't be just relying on one big name per team to take a te- to take a team through a tournament.
0: And also Alexia, yes, yeah, she's the best player in the world. She's coming back from an ACL. It's it's not something you come back up and pick exactly where you've left off. We have to remember that it's it's gonna take time. Um, she is nearly 30 so it will take time but yeah she's the best player of all for a reason so i'm sure she'll bring that quality back am i allowed to finish my other five <laughs> sorry yes what? you can go, age. <laughs> sorry, we, spoke, we spoke about spain if if i was
1: spain and the spanish coach who has been under scrutiny about his tactical decisions which i think has been pretty unfair um given the football i i, I think they, they played the most beautiful football throughout the tournament if i be honest obviously yep. today was a very physical game um the physical side of things, I think Spain wouldn't be able to match in a game today mm-hmm. um, unless they are possessed, Similar to their to their to their men's men's team, right? But um, USA, I think they're going to obviously be in the the, the top five. However. I, I, unless they're, they're physically, they can challenge physically uh, today with England and Germany, then um, then they won't make finals football. Um, and obviously Australia, so I've just spoken about Australia in great depth and for, for Australia to make top five, um, yeah, I think consistency and continuity within the, within the team. The players know how to play, they've been playing together for over 10 years, they've got more caps than we've had hot breakfast. So. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I think yeah, England, Germany, Spain, USA, Australia, um, the dark horse, Canada.
2: Oh, and you've left France out of that too. Well, she's not going to agree, Amy, but we're going to go with it because it's two versus three. <laughs> Sounds good to me. H and I argue about everything, so this is good. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to hold you. Uh, I'm going to hold you, ladies, on this for the next year because what a ride this next twelve months will be. Twenty-two of the thirty-two already qualified. Uh, there's a big month coming up. The draw, of course, takes place in October. Uh, a big reminder to all our listeners that the regular season of the Gag and Pod returns in just a few days time I will be backing up lucky me with Mark Schwarzer Thomas Sorensen and Teo Pelazeri for the first episode because the Premier League is back baby on Saturday morning the 6th of August Crystal Palace and Arsenal going head-to-head to kick that one off the La Liga just a week later on the 13th of August the FA Women's Super League just a month or so to from kicking off and all of this will be live and on demand on the Optus Sport app. Uh, also, that's where you will find the goals from today, the mini and the replay of this sensational final that we've all just had the privilege of watching, Heather and I on the screen, Amy in the flesh uh, on the sidelines. A big congratulations to England. A massive day for football because uh, the English, as we said, waited a long time for this this and a big congratulations to to all the players, the coaches and the staff who made this European Women's Championship such a success. To my guests today, thank you so much for your time, Amy. Enjoy a short break before you head back into pre-season. Heather, no doubt you and I will be analysing and probably arguing over every headline and storyline of this upcoming World Cup, not just the top five. Ladies, thank you so much for your company and your insight today. To everyone else, I hope you enjoyed the Euro and our special Euros podcast. I'm Amy Duggan. I cannot wait to talk football with you again soon. But until then, see you later.